Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, good morning and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Donna and Steve on My Talk 1071. You know, everybody's uh, heart heavy, feeling a little uh, undertone of sadness these days. Uh, Imagine a lot of people are obviously very angry. Uh, So we have a special guest on with us. Yeah, we do. Uh, she is Dr. Anastasia Ristow from Prairie Care, um, who happens to have sort of expertise in the world of pediatrical, pediatric clinical psychology, rather. And so she joins us now on the phone. Uh, she has been a guest before on Twin Cities Live. We love her. Dr. Anastasia, first of all, let me just say this. Thank you for responding at such short notice. I mean, these were like text messages and calls that were coming through to you within the last probably 10 or 15 minutes. And you said yes. So thanks for hanging out with us. You're very welcome. Yeah, the last five or ten minutes. Hey, the sign of the time. We got. I tell you we what. learned to be flexible and agile. And I think that that's really great. We have had uh, you and your colleague, Dr. Joshua Stein from Prairie Care. We've had you on Twin Cities Live uh, several times since March, which is when COVID nineteen broke out, and we found ourselves in this brand new world of goodness gracious. How do we deal with this on our own? How do we deal with this in speaking to our children? And here we are now um, just sifting through the tragedy of the death of George Floyd and all of the fallout from that and protest and violent protest. It is a lot. Um, and it is, it's a lot for adults to process, much less to be able to feel like we have disseminated the information in a way that we can now communicate it in a productive way to our kids. I think my general question would be, where do you start in, in communicating to um, let's young children? I'd start there, and I'm sure it's different for teenagers, but with, with young kids, 5 to 10 years old, who kind of know something's going on on their own, how do you talk to them about this? Yeah, I mean, it, it is so interesting because I think we already have so many maxed out parents and kids, for that matter, with all the COVID stuff, and now this is just one additional layer depending on where a family is even physically located, they're going to have Mm -hmm. differing levels of awareness of Mm -hmm. what's going on. And the impact is going to, um, you know, differ in that right as well. But with younger kids, you know, A, I think it's important as adults and parents and guardians that we take the pressure off of ourselves to have the perfect thing to say or the perfect answer. they're great leaders, you know, they, they will show us often by their behavior and the things that they're doing that something is up and not quite right. And so if we follow their lead, 
um, and and take the pressure off to know exactly what to say. Um, you know, if you're noticing things like more tantrums, or more emotions that don't even make sense, that kind of come out of nowhere. Um, they're not sleeping as well. There are changes with their eating, things like that. But with younger kids, especially, it tends to be more behavioral. Hmm. That's a good time to, to carve out a little bit of time right in that moment to just pause what you're doing and, and be present with them and just start seeing what they're bringing up and following that lead. Hmm. And and then for yeah. teenage kids, let's say, um, who also sometimes act out, um, how, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? Uh, how does that differ? So for the youngers, you know, you're going to, um, we want to think about their developmental stage, you know, as right. uh, we don't want to give too much information. We want to, so when I say follow their lead, it's going to be, um, you know, asking them what they know, looking for their words, uh, even through their play, um, just reflecting back what you're seeing, using your words to truly like almost mirror what you're seeing. And it's, it's about honoring that, validating that, using words to help give them the language. So things like, wow, it looks to me like you're having a lot of feelings and thoughts right now. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff going on around you. Let's talk about that. What is that feeling like? What do you think is happening? And then giving just enough to help them understand, but not too much to overwhelm. With teenagers, you can really have a different level of conversation, and and they may act out without necessarily recognizing that uh, the undercurrent of that is all of what's going on around them. Mm. Um, and uh, often it's that same idea of following their lead. When something is more extreme than usual, whether that's an extreme isolation, they're not coming out of their room, they're not talking to you, they're shutting down, or that's an extreme, the other end of that spectrum where they're exploding about the smallest thing that the two of you are clashing over everything. It's inviting that moment to just pause. And if you have this, you know, kind of relationship, putting your arm around them or even just sitting there truly being for a moment and saying, just putting it out there. This is a really hard time. I'm really curious what this is feeling like for you. What's on your mind? Where are you at with all of this? And again, letting them lead the way they're going to have, some incredible thoughts and feelings, and they might struggle to find those words. But if you start to put those words out there, that opens the door. Um, and the sense of security, and I think just, um, uh, gosh, comfort that they will feel in hearing somebody else put to words what they're feeling is, um, is invaluable That's in and of itself. That's so interesting because I think a lot of times parents feel like they need to be the protectors. Yes. And yes. need to show strength. And sometimes yes. there's, yeah, there's, um, there's value in showing that you're a human too, and you also well, have emotions. And also well, to what we're, we're talking with Dr. Anastasia Ristel, by the way, from Prairie Care, um, about how to talk with your kids about everything that is going on in the world around us right now. And that is so valuable too, Donna, what, what you said, Dr. Ristel, regarding asking them, especially with the younger ones, um, what do you know? What do you see? And I heard my son talking about some stuff yesterday. I thought, oh, there, you know, he and his cousins are talking about this stuff. But allowing that to then inform the parent, me in this situation, to say, okay, so this is something that he knows about. How can I speak to to that? As opposed to me trying to figure out, okay, he's seven. What would he be able to deal with right now on an emotional, intellectual level regarding what's happening and all that? Allowing them 
to lead the conversation and then we can come in and help to keep them in the right lane and then also offer some different perspective with that let me ask you this I had, a, I had a listener on Friday who I was talking about, I really want to curate the news. I don't want my kids to passively see news because then I'm worried about like, oh, here's a homicide. Here's a house fire. Here's a domestic abuse situation. Yikes. This is really a lot of stuff. And they're between, you know, four and 10 years old. Um, so I try to curate that. But I had a listener who really pointed out to me and opened my eyes to a blind spot that I have, which is she said, I appreciate you sharing that. But. You have to understand that as a position of privilege to even be able to shield your kids mm-hmm. to these kinds of things. And uh, yeah. there are other kids who are in it. And th- so with that, I think of that. And then I think of the fact that, look, my kids are white. And so they they live a different life. They have a very different experience than young black children do right now. And so mm-hmm. I, I talk, I, I have to educate my children in one way to open their eyes. Um, but I would imagine there's a whole different challenge that parents of black children have to explain to them what's going on right now because they're thinking, well, what just happened? That guy or that girl looks a lot like me, and you connect to that differently. Absolutely, and I think that's true for for all all folks of all different backgrounds and um, different colors of skin, and you know that everybody is tuning into this in a really different way in terms of how it fits into their story of their life and their experiences. And it's, um, it's such a gut-wrenching time to have to have those conversations, uh, whether you're white or black or something different, you know. Um, and I think, you know, there is some containment that happens when we can have those conversations, but there's also um, such importance in helping equip our kids no matter what the situation is, to be able to uh, interpret what they're seeing and hearing in a way that turns into resiliency, that turns into strength, that helps them find the safe people in the world, the safe places to Mm -hmm. know what am I going to do if I find myself in a situation where I don't feel safe, where I'm worried about this. so there's all of that. And, and the other side of it is that as the adults in the situation, we become a bit of the barometer for our kids. You know, our emotional presence um, is something that they perceive and that they are in tune with all of the time. So mm-hmm. it's, in, it's important for us to take a breath and um, be present, but also to know when we have those emotions come up, it's very likely reflecting something that they're feeling as well. And it's okay to have those feelings and to show those feelings. The the research would tell us that when our kids see the full circle of emotions from a parent figure and from a guardian or any adult that they trust, it helps um, them be able to experience that full range of emotion as well in a healthy way to feel okay about that and to be able to move through it in a healthy way. So if you have a situation where you feel like just plain and simple here, I know a lot of people are just crying. I find myself, you know, just, you know, seeing something and just crying. You you don't want us as parents to not cry in front of our kids. It's okay to cry in front of them and explain why you're crying. It is. It is absolutely okay. In fact, I would argue there's a lot of valuable opportunity in sharing that moment with our kids. 
there's a difference between being so despondent that, mm-hmm. you know, you can't even, um, that you can't move through that in a healthy way or in a safe way. A difference between that and in which case you really want to get the support that you need and make sure that you're caring for your own needs in those moments or in those times. But if you're with your child and you're experiencing any of that emotion, if you can help them tune into where that's coming from and help them understand that it's healthy, um, they learn from that. And often they share that emotion with you. It, it mm-hmm. just keeps us all um, in a really healthy place of, of understanding the human condition. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So true. Uh, so she's a... Uh... Go ahead, Dr. Dr. Restell, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I mean, even recognizing the feelings, labeling them, it develops empathy. It helps um, connect us as humans to each other, but it builds that that healthy um, emotional exploration and coping. Mm. Yeah. That was a whole bag of good information for any parent out there who is navigating through this and trying to figure out how can we productively um talk with our kids about this so that there is a an impact on them that allows them to experience their feelings as well as then going out into the world and being a positive impact in their circles. Dr. Uh, Ristow from Prairie Care, you can check them out at prairie-care.com. Thanks for coming on Thank and thanks you. for coming on on such short notice. We really do appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for doing this for families who are listening. This is such an important time of opportunity for all of us. I, I hope that we'll grab those those chances to connect with our kids on a different level and really set into motion potentially lifelong ways of viewing all of what's going on right now in a really different way than they might have and we might have before. So thank you for doing that. Oh, for thank that you. Yeah, you got it. Thank you, Dr. Ristel. We appreciate it. By the way, they have uh, telehealth services that are available. They've been doing it all throughout COVID-19. And so if you need to connect with Prairie Care, um, it's easy to do that and uh, meet with one of their folks who can help you through as we all battle this from a mental health perspective. Absolutely. Uh, when we come back on the Donna and Steve show, uh, Jamie Foxx gives a um, an emotional speech in Minneapolis. Beyonce calls for justice. We'll get to uh, those stories and an emotional song from Mariah Carey all coming up next. Good morning, welcome back. Donna and Steve on My Talk 1071, everything entertainment. Donna Valentine, Steve Patterson, producer Dawn McLean, all holding down the fort as we feel helpless by the racism going on in America, all of the unrest, the rioting. Um, we're going to be talking. Yeah, man, is it layered? Jeez Louise. There's so much. And uh, we'll be uh, talking. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. With uh, a pastor from your church, right, Steve, coming up here in just a few minutes? Yeah, at 1130, we'll have uh, Pastor Ian Riley out there. Um, he's going to be joining us. He is from Grace Church. And, you know, um, our programming director, Amy Daniels, just to peel back the curtain, said, hey, get some get some voices on the show, um, if you can, just that can offer, you know, some different perspectives and maybe, maybe some guiding voices. And so she had mentioned faith leaders. So I thought, well, let's reach out and just figure out, you know, goodness gracious, how we can maybe be a little bit inspired and figure out how we can help those who are hurting. Um, and so we'll we'll talk with him coming up at 11.30. Excellent. Uh, Beyonce had uh, posted a video calling for justice for George Floyd. Uh, We have a portion of that audio. Take a listen. We need justice for George Floyd. We all witnessed his murder in broad daylight. We're broken and we're disgusted. We cannot normalize this pain. And I'm not only speaking to people of color. If you're white, black, brown, or anything in between, I'm sure you feel hopeless by the racism going on in America right now. No more senseless killings of human beings. No more seeing people of color as less than human. We can no longer look away. George is all of our family and humanity. He's our family because he's a fellow American. Mm. And it's you don't hear Beyonce problem. speak out too often. No. You know, you just don't hear from her that often. Does she? She doesn't really ever do interviews, right? Right? You know, I don't think you don't like see her on not Jimmy very Fallon, often, do you? Um, so, point being, you know, it's when she speaks, then you're more inclined to listen. Yeah, and, uh, especially when she's talking about something so meaningful. Absolutely. Uh, apparently, Jamie Foxx joined uh, the protests in Minneapolis. He uh, saw that. Yeah, gave a powerful speech while he was here. We have a little bit of that too. We're not afraid to stand. We're not afraid of the moment. And I think what you saw on television, to watch this man plead for his mother, what it does is it overcomplicates everything as a black man trying to tell his son or his daughter how to function in life. Mm -hmm. Even the things that we've taught them don't seem to work. Mm -hmm. And then there's this thing of contempt of cop where it is something simple. And how does it escalate to something Mm -hmm. like what we have today? This means everything because at the end of the day, when we see you guys out here on the front line, Mm. we want to let you know you got support. And to all of my friends who aren't black, just try to put yourself in our position. It's outstanding. Mm. I mean, like I said, you know, this is time to listen. Listen to people's stories. Listen to what they have to say. Um, We got a very powerful email yeah, speaking of listening, goodness gracious. From um, a very beloved listener of ours. Omar. I mean, is there an emailer that I love more than Omar? I've been trying to get him in as a part-time voice on this show <laughs> since day one. I'm like, part-time. hey, there's an email from Omar. Can we read this? Um, but he sent us a really a really powerful and honest email um, over the weekend. Do you mind if I read it from the top? Um, no, you've got uh, three minutes. Alrighty. Um He says, hey, guys, just listen to Friday's show, and I was moved by the three of you. Your compassion and willingness to listen and understand is exactly what is needed. I wanted to email you guys to give you my perspective as a black man 
and why what is taking place in our state is happening right now. A little insight, just in the past year, I have been called various various racial slurs just for shopping inside grocery stores and farmers markets, been told to pay up front at a fancy restaurant before I even had my meal, been stopped when I was out for a walk in my neighborhood by police because neighbors reported, quote, suspicious activity, been told by an upscale haircut place that they don't do, quote, colored people hair and have had over six police officers attempt to arrest me at my place of work when I was on my break because someone reported to the cops that I did not belong there. All of that happened in the past 12 months for the sole reason of being black. Racism is a real and ugly thing and it affects the lives of people of color on a daily basis. I know I cannot go to certain neighborhoods and businesses in this state because I may not exit there alive and that is a sad reality to live but it is what is forced on us in order to survive these experiences are not unique to me it is what countless african americans experience on a daily basis violence is the language of the unheard and while i am not condoning that violence i'm hoping to convey why people are so angry and why concrete change is needed and needed now he goes on always sure to never leave us without a little bit of a smile or a laugh I hope I didn't scare you off here. I know it isn't my normal tone, but I'm an onion man. I've got layers. Oh it's from God. Omar. And it's, um, thank you, Omar. Thanks for sharing that with us. Because, you know, when you've heard us talk these last few days about, like, listen, as white people, we don't know. We don't know. And that's why, you, Donna, you're talking about the importance of listening. And we talked about empathy, like really trying to place myself in your shoes. Right. What, what he just documented there as the, his experiences in the last year, I've, I haven't gone through any of those no. ever in and my I life. I can't imagine how alone that someone feels in those moments right. when they're turned Ugh. away or told that they have to pay up front. Pay I'm up so front. sorry. You're not even doing anything. You're and doing you're just, nothing oh, except it's, patronizing it's, someone's business. Yeah, it's, it's heart-wrenching, and it's everyone's problem. That is yeah. for sure. It's... Yeah, it gives you it gives you some of the depth if because I think that when you hear that, if you if you hear that more from people who have just and as he says, this is just on account of being black. It's it's nothing else. It's just it's someone who has made a decision or a judgment about him simply because of his appearance. And and he, and he's right. So that gives that sort of fills in the gap if you're wondering why such an intense reaction to the death of George Floyd. Um, you see, because there are a lot of people out there who have felt like they have been marginalized year after year just for just for living their basic life. Right. You know what I mean? And so um, you say year after year. I mean, hundreds of oh, years. Lord. I mean, the history goes back clearly. Mm-hmm. Hundreds um, of years. Omar, thanks for sharing that with us, buddy. We're we're sorry that that is the reality for you, and we really hope that it changes, and we will try to be a part of that change. We'll be right back. He comes alive in hey, good morning, everybody. You're listening to Donna and Steve on My Talk 1071, everything entertainment under normal conditions today. Uh, we're just uh, talking about what's going on in our cities and all across the country and in the world um and we're doing a little juggling today because you know things change things shift we were supposed to be talking to one of your pastors 
From Grace Church. From Grace Church, yes. It was supposed to be on with us right now. Now, I sent him a message. I hope that he just got this message that we we're going to push him to the next segment because is there a press conference that we're looking to take? Yeah. Um, yes. Um, I believe the governor is going to be speaking, so we will uh, we will join that in progress or as soon as it starts. But this is what the uh, the last few months has been like on the Twin Cities Live side. <laughs> I mean, oh, I bet. every day just... we never know if we're starting at three o'clock. We never know. And then um, what was it on Thursday? They said, "Oh, there's a press conference scheduled to start at three o'clock," and we were thinking, "Oh, this is going to be long." And I don't even know how much of this show we're even going to get to. Sure enough, that press conference didn't end up starting until I believe four fifty. And oh, so, wow. good thing we didn't throw the whole show out the window and say, "Oh, well, it's a press conference." Uh, and then the next day on Friday, they were jumping in, and it's it's always yes. Yeah, so I get it. I get it. I think the governor does his darndest to start on time, but sometimes there are just outside things that are happening. Well, and the uh, press conferences are very long. Yeah. Like, oh, very yeah. long. Like, I feel like there was one that went on for two hours Yeah. Um, yeah. the other day, which is which is great when it's filled with lots of information, um, you know, but what do you do? What do you um, do? So we are just uh, standing by while we wait for the... Uh, the governor. We just spoke so, to your pastor. Oh, did he bless you? Did, what, did it, was no, he in but, a, a uh, fit of rage? He was very nice. Uh, no, he wasn't. I would hope not. <laughs> he was like, this is ridiculous. No, I will not, yeah. no, no. He completely understands, and uh, he's available to talk to us in the next 30 minutes whenever we uh, okay. go okay. to him. So. Okay, fantastic. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, we'll wait to hear from uh, from the governor, and then if uh, I'm sure that we'll just tap right into the uh, feed on Five Eyewitness News, so you won't miss a thing there. Absolutely, and I'm gonna um, after the show. I'm gonna post a bunch of links that have resources uh, for various things, like um, how you can help the community, um, how you can stay safe. We've got safety tips from KSTP, so we'll have just all sorts of resources under the Donna and Steve show links page. So look there. And then we also will have our interviews um, from this morning for all the shows and this afternoon. Well, and we just had a great one too. Um, If you missed it, we spoke at 11 o'clock with Dr. Anastasia Ristow from Prairie Care, who had a lot of really good, good advice for parents who are trying to talk with their kids in the midst of this and maybe trying to, I think I'm a, I'm at fault here of trying to, what is it like analysis paralysis by analysis where I'm like overthinking how do I talk with my kids and her advice was especially for the little ones just you know talk to them hey what do you yeah yeah, let them sort of lead the conversation and then you as a parent can figure out sort of what they know and how you can speak directly to that in a meaningful way right absolutely so you'll be able to find that like I said under the show links page so uh, check for that and lots of great interviews. I'm sure um, Colleen and Bradley are going to be talking to people in the community. Also, the girls, they have a show that starts at 3 o'clock right here on My Talk 107. I'm talking about Lori and Julia. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought Twin Cities Live was on it. Oh, no. Okay. Not oh, always. Anyway, he's uh, the governor is so far not walked into the room, so... Um, we will definitely go there when that time comes. But hmm. uh... well, let's do. Let's do. I think that uh, we can take thirty seconds of totally unrelated stuff. Okay? okay, just for a breather. Yes. Have you checked out the weather for this week? 
do you know Politics that tomorrow be will to be 90. 91 tomorrow? Yeah. 89 I, today. Can I tell you, I, I'm not looking forward to that, but I must say the weather in the past three days, absolute perfection. Saturday, unbelievable. Sunday, unbelievable. So 90s all the way through Sunday? Yeah, it's going to get muggy. No, not all the way through Sunday. No, uh, it'll be about 90 today. Hard to imagine it's going to get that hot, but then 91 again tomorrow. And then uh, mid-80s the rest of the week. But Saturday, it should be cooling down a little more. Maybe back down to about 79 on Saturday in a hmm. sunball. So we're making progress, yes, right? We Once are. we get through the 90s. We do oh, have man, a... our... Go ahead. I remember growing up, and we uh, my, only my mom's room had an air conditioner. Mine until too. We, until we moved when we were twelve. So would you all like go to mom's room if it yep. got really hot? Slept yeah. in sleeping bags on the floor. Watch TV, and she got a TV in there at one point. So then I remember um, my dad traveled a lot, and so he would be out of town often, like Monday through Friday, and we would uh, wake up and watch the Rosie O'Donnell show live with governor. Regis and Kathy That's, Lee. It was great. I'm gonna I'm gonna put up the governor now. Thank God. Let's hear him. Here's God. Also, speaking of and watching yesterday, uh, the whole nature of why we do these things is to allow for that peaceful expression. We saw large, peaceful protests focusing on the systemic changes that get to the heart of why we're in this situation. And when I say we, Minneapolis-St. Paul, the state of Minnesota, nationally, and as we've seen over the last 24 hours, internationally. A society that does not Put equity and inclusion at the center of it is certainly going to uh, eventually uh, come to the places where we're at. Uh, this is a moment of inflection. It's a moment real of change. real change. It's a moment that those folks who are out there demanding this are are not going to take a, a commission or a report. Um, they're going to want fundamental change, and and that is what I is think, what I uh, think. Uh, that's one of the exciting things in the midst of all this. You can feel a sense of optimism coming back. Um, I, I just want to say, you, you'll hear from some of the things in the updates where we're at. I don't want to paint a picture that this is over, but I do want to paint a picture that I think we as Minnesotans have regrounded ourselves in the values that we care about. It looks to me like there's a clear delineation between the folks who are rightfully pained and angered wanting to see change and expressing it in lawful ways and what we witnessed on several days earlier in the week, those that are bent on wanton destruction of the very communities that are most pained. I think as citizens, as uh, as residents of Minnesota, we can continue to maintain that. And this gives us a space now for, for a time of unprecedented opportunity to address things that have been around in, in many cases, decades or since the founding or prior to that. Uh, so in moving forward and in that light, I want to talk a little bit about the posture we're in, um, in terms of, uh, of law enforcement and on, on the streets. I signed an executive order in consultation leadership with the mayors of Minneapolis and St. Paul. We will be extending the curfew for two days, but the times will change. It will go from 10 p.m. to 4 and one of the reasons in this is, is is Minnesotans have taken charge of this. The only way these things work is what we've seen the last two nights. The vast majority of people abide by this. Those that not 
are able to uh, to address this. I do want to mention something. Uh, some of you witnessed this on on many of your stations and live TV. Um, there were protesters that that stayed out past the curfew. I think in some cases because of the tragic uh, near miss with the truck, it disrupted some of their schedules. Some of them, I think, were very intent on going home and doing that because it was very clear. Uh, they were articulating very clearly uh, a peaceful right to demonstrate, but they also understood once they got out past that time, um, the interaction with the police that some of you witnessed, a, and it was, uh, it was gratifying, I think, to see how citizens approached it and how um, our law enforcement approached it. The very humanized way, the very orderly way that people were processed and treated and some of the interactions between the two to understand each other um, was for me the way I think people expect to be expect this to happen. So um, that curfew will, will go in place. We'll also think about the strategic uh, levels of what we have. I will have uh, General Jensen will be speaking about a transition to um, our National Guard troops back to their homes and their jobs because that's what they are. They take time out of their jobs and many of them will be going back, some of them working as news reporters, some of them working as camera operators, some of them working as teachers. Uh, that will begin to, to happen and that will be done as General Jensen will talk about in a very uh, orderly and organized way. Our strategy we need to continue to keep in place. The, uh, the multi-agency command center that wouldn't stood up will stay in place because we are managing communications. I think some of you now have witnessed um, the complexity of something like this. It doesn't look like the movies. You have to get everybody on the same frequencies. You have to have communications to move people. And when you see an operation move in unison like you've seen the last few days with no prior training together, uh, that's a testament to the leadership of all of these different agencies, and that is the MAC. They'll continue to operate until the time comes when we transition back out of that. I do think it is worth noting that this week there will be, uh, at least as we understand right now, a significant event with the, the funeral memorial of uh, of George Floyd, I believe, is scheduled for Thursday. It will be an important event, both for the city of Minneapolis, for Minnesota, and for the nation, um, to watch that process of celebrating a life that was taken in front of us, an opportunity for leadership. And when I say leadership, what we're seeing now is where there are voids of leadership at certain levels, you're certainly seeing leaders in communities that have always been there put their voices forward. So that will be uh, in conjunction of making sure, as we said yesterday, the idea of protecting peaceful protesters. And that brings me to yesterday, and you'll hear a little more detail on this, the incident with the, the truck that I, I think will live for many of us forever. I was watching that on the, the MnDOT cameras in the State Emergency Operations Center in live time when it happened, and uh, I, I was breathless as I watched it because I thought I was going to witness dozens or hundreds killed in the immediate crash and then my fear was the intentional thought of detonating that um, that truck as it turned out and I, I don't want to speak ahead of this but the preliminary with the interviews of the driver was frustrated they'll talk about how you close in sections and he got ahead of that and why they were exiting people and I'll let them talk about the details of that but from the driver's perspective he went around it saw the crowd went around the other cars. He did break is what you see. But I think the amazing thing in this story was, first of all, that no one was hurt. The crowd then responding, in, in many cases, just I'm sure adrenaline and fear and everything else was happening. But the driver noted afterwards, after he was told it didn't kill anybody, uh, he noted that the crowd, the vast majority, were protecting him. 
the protesters were protecting the driver who they had just seen appear to run into the crowd because they realized how dangerous the situation was. And for those of you who are old enough to remember that horrific scene on that Los Angeles road during the Rodney King events where the driver was pulled from the vehicle and severely injured, um, peaceful protesters in Minneapolis and St. Paul protected this person even after what we saw was appeared at the time to be an attempt to kill them. Um, I think that speaks volumes again, and I'm just I'm grateful to be able to tell that because I, I still am in shock of what I thought we might have to be talking about. I will note that that event did uh, have some disruptive uh, impact on movement of folks last night, but it still worked out, uh, I, I think, uh, again, an amazing thing of no deaths, no injuries, and last night report of one fire that is still under investigation so can't be confirmed it was by this and it was immediately extinguished so um we've got an opportunity here we've changed the direction of where this has gone we've opened up incredibly important conversations i uh yesterday we saw attorney general ellison assume the lead in uh in the case to start with um many more things that need to be done at this point in time but but minnesota uh this is our chance and i would i would say this um with that curfew it's june 1st we're still in the middle of a pandemic we are working simultaneously with this i'll give you a little bit of an update at the end uh, where we will talk about number of tests we're doing are still very up we tested 22 long-term care facilities uh, we are planning for massive mobile testing in the cities for folks i would tell those of you who are out there peacefully protesting again if you're starting to get symptoms of covid 19 please isolate um, we will have to do some contact tracing which i, I have not we're gonna have to uh, break away again that is governor Walty's uh on the peaceful expression of citizens also the twin cities curfew extended uh, i believe he said 10 p.m till 4 a.m yeah, cut out a little bit. Yeah, just cut out a little bit. Sort of said, I like believe this. he said 4 a.m. Okay, and also the National Guard troops transitioning back to their regular jobs. He talked about a memorial for George Floyd um, and about that truck that went into the crowd that we all saw uh, live on television. Um, yeah. he, it appears that he actually was trying to avoid people. Um, and the crowd was actually trying to protect him because they were That's afraid that the crazy. truck was going to wow. explode. Yeah. Um, so that is, uh, that's what we know so far. Um, we're going to come back and we're going to talk to the pastor. Pastor Ian Riley from Grace Church joins us uh, next right here on my talk. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to the Donna and Steve show. We appreciate you, especially when our community is so broken right now. Mm. And a lot of us wonder, how do we heal? What do we do next? You know, a yeah. lot of people look to their faith. For answers, uh, we do have a special guest with us. Indeed, we do. He is uh, Pastor Ian Riley from Grace Church. Grace Church has an Eden Prairie campus. They've got a Chaska campus. Uh, he represents the Chaska campus. But I uh, just wanted to bring him on this morning to because, well, Ian, the bottom line is this: I mean, we all feel really, goodness, heavy, and it just has felt really dark mm -hmm. and crummy the past week or so. Um, let me start here. You know, let's speak to this as, as the church, you as a faith leader in our community, as the church, how do we respond to this in a way that is, that we don't just feel overwhelmed and sit back and do nothing and just instead feel sad about it all? How do we proactively move in this? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. First of all, uh, good morning with you guys. I just commend you for what you're doing to try to 
build community and just even being soothing voices on the radio, you know, brought some calm to me this morning. So I wanted to sit in your uh, living room with you, Steve, with that air conditioner back in the good old days. That's right. So thank you for having me. I think that's a great question. And, you know, I'm just going to be brutally, candidly honest. I don't know. You know, this is such a multifaceted issue. And I'll just confess, I have a temptation to try to to look good and to sound good and to post really clever things. And that's just not helpful right now. Um, and we, we talked about in church yesterday, Romans 12, 9, which says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And I think that is such a good word for today. And don't worry, you're not going to get a wedding, you know, wedding sermon here. <laughs> but, how, <laughs> but how important is this word love? And it's a, a word that's gotten a little bit hijacked in our society where we might feel like it's more about the emotions and what I get out of it. But true love is other-focused. It's, it's not concerned with self. It's its choice and a decision to care for the person next to me. And so as I've really been praying through, how do I personally approach this? And then how do I attempt to lead others through this? I'm, I'm convicted that it has to start with myself and looking at my motivations. And am I doing this out of some sort of self-driven thing or to truly love other people? And so I want to encourage slash challenge us um, to be thinking about that first. What does it look like to truly love other people? And I have, this us, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, well, I was going to ask, sort of spinning, spinning out of that, um, mm-hmm. The other, the other difficulty, and that's that, that's a good word. The other difficulty is C.S. Lewis wrote a book called "The Problem with Pain" years ago, and that is so, it's such a difficult point in anybody's faith is when when the world around us, when reality around us gets really tough and just broken, and it hurts, and there's you know we could go on and on about and you feel um, unheard. Yes, yeah. and you feel unheard, and yeah. you don't feel represented. You could feel so disenfranchised, even in your own faith, where that then you you know it's not uncommon. You're a pastor. I'm sure you've had people come to you before in various situations where they say, "Where is God in all of this?" Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and so for the for folks out there in the community right now who feel unheard, who feel like they've always been unheard, and are saying, "Well, where's God in the midst of this?" That's a big question. But what do you say to those people who are hurting? Yeah. So a, a couple of things. First, just my just deepest empathy towards you. Um, And we believe as Christians that every person is created in the image of God with infinite value. Hmm. And it grieves and angers me and us as a Christian community that anyone would have to feel that way. So first, just recognition that that is a natural reaction uh, and, and a healthy reaction to what you're experiencing. Now, as it relates to your view of, of God, uh, C.S. Lewis, who you referenced, also called pain God's megaphone. Mm. And so I would humbly ask you during this time, if God was trying to get your attention, try to draw you to him into a committed, loving relationship with the God who made you, how might he get your attention? Oftentimes it's through, through these challenges. And I want to tell you that God does love you. And the reason that there is suffering right now is evidence of his love and his patience because he hates what is happening, absolutely hates it. And one day he is going to end that suffering. Jesus is going to come back. But in the meantime, he is seeking and saving people. And so it... 
Yes. That that brings up an interesting thing, too, which I think is, is worth sort of sitting on, which is when all this suffering happens, it is like, and again, and I, I remember that I say this as like, uh, frankly, as a white guy who doesn't know what it's like to be black in yes. America and the pain that there must be involved. We read an email from one of our listeners who explained his experience as a black man and just what has happened to him and just the unjust treatment mm-hmm. uh, that that he has had simply because of the color of his skin. And it's so heartbreaking. And so I always go back to, you know, I'm not convinced that um, that God causes these bad things that happen but i do believe that there's always an opportunity where he will meet us and his like his his message to us is that he wants to uh bring something good out of what right now is so bad how can we turn what it and that's what's been cool ian is seeing the community rally these past couple of days as the tide has started to turn a little bit of saying how can we be a part of restoring and rebuilding and kind of a beauty from ashes situation and what what we can turn this into but the the tough part is and you know this being involved in pastoral ministry and any faith leader knows this that that process of healing is a is is a long road and there are rarely if ever shortcuts to it and that's why we all need to come together and commit to the healing of our brothers and sisters who we haven't seen in the way that we should see them and we have to do that Together, that's that's a long committed Boy, process. We didn't though. even need you, Ian. We got I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Ian deals with me you on Sundays. He knows yeah. We got Pastor Patterson over here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, one one quick thought on that. Going back to that verse I shared, Romans twelve nine. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. It is evil when people are oppressed. It is absolutely evil, and we yeah. should hate that. Where we yeah. really have to guard ourselves is: is that hate going to spill over? systemically to broad groups of people in reaction and all those types of things. Thank you so much, Pastor Riley. We really, really appreciate you calling in. Steve, you My too. pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Ian, thank yeah, you. you. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. I Ian deals Steve with me on Sundays. Like, church services. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I add one thing, actually? Yeah. <laughs> oh I appreciate it being here. Thank Thanks, guys. Colin and you. Bradley are coming in next. We have to make way for them. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you. Stay safe. We'll be back tomorrow at 9. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash bestmusic to get Live One Plus now. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.